Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Blue Cross Blue Shield's new survey about seniors and COVID, some local transportation upgrades are driving MNN's Bill Werner to get creative, and part two of Mike Grimm's interview with former Viking linebacker Scott Studwell. But first, the Drug Enforcement Administration took the unique step this week of issuing a public safety alert. The DEA is warning that a growing number of pain medications bought on the black market are laced with the synthetic opioid fentanyl or the stimulant methamphetamine, which has led to a record number of overdose deaths. I spoke with the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation's Jeremiah Gardner about this troubling trend. Well, unfortunately, this is not news to those of us who help people who use substances. Uh, we've been saying for some time, one, that fentanyl is now being pressed into most illicit drugs these days, and two, that the Internet, not the street, is the biggest marketplace. And that's indeed the message that the DEA sent out today. And the fact that the DEA is now sounding that alarm with its first public safety alert since 2015, I think shows you how bad it's gotten. Um, and we certainly welcome their amplification uh, of the growing dangers faced by the people we love and serve, those who are struggling with substance use disorders. I think a lot of us are, are, are somewhat familiar with what those dangers are, but uh, if, you, if you could put it in no uncertain terms for me, I mean, what are people taking a chance with when, when they use some of these black market drugs? Well, fentanyl is an opioid, and it's one of the most potent opioids um, that exists on the earth and uh, used to be used as a, as a prescribed pain medication for people who had su- surgeries and uh, had really severe pain. But now it's become, now that America's developed over the past 20 years and such an opioid, uh, opioid appetite, um, it's being produced in great amounts and, and, and shipped into the United States and sold over the internet. And it's being, um, pressed into other drugs so uh, folks can buy pills that they are labeled Adderall or or any other sort of medication uh, online, and what they'll get is a pill that actually has fentanyl in it, and it's cooked into it because it's often cheaper than other ingredients, and uh, dealers can also save on input costs at the same time. uh, charge a premium for the so-called good stuff without actually sharing or advertising that fentanyl is in what they're selling. I'm assuming or, or, or guessing to some extent uh, one of the reasons that uh, people have to buy black market drugs um, is that they can't afford what they need for pain medication uh, or also doctors are prescribing opioids less, is my understanding, so that we can try to uh, prevent people from getting addicted to these kinds of things. So unfortunately, those people are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They are trying to save money to some extent, but they're also putting their lives in danger. With regard to black market drugs, what would you be telling people who are considering buying them? Uh, just beware, I guess, is the main message. Uh, if you're buying anything that's not... Um prescribed and FDA approved and gone through the sort of the vetting process that medications in the United States go through, you are taking a big risk. And today the risk is bigger than it's ever been. Um, And that's what the DEA is telling us is that there's a high likelihood 
that um, you will get fentanyl. It, you know, it used to be that folks using substances wondered whether fentanyl might be the drugs they're taking. Now they can pretty much count on it. And so they may try to moderate their dosing, which is risky business for anyone, but especially for someone who has a substance use disorder. And so if, if, if those who are finding the need to find those medications or those, uh, those drugs um, through illicit markets, uh, I would say, you know, try to get help for your substance use disorder. Obviously, the DEA's warning is something that is is issued on a sort of a national level. But is this something that you're seeing a spike specifically here in Minnesota, based on uh, whatever whatever information you may have? Well, it's anecdotal, but you know we talk to patients, uh, thousands of patients every day across the United States um, and here in Minnesota at the Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation. And and uh, as I said before, this is not news to us. We're hearing that. This is what people who use substances and the folks who turn to the illicit market typically are people who have a substance use disorder and have trouble stopping using. And so uh, we've heard that they're, that's where people get them. They get them on the Internet, and you don't know what you're getting. And um, increasingly, uh, uh, you know, if you folks will try to moderate to try to figure out what the pill is going to do before they use more, uh, but that's just increasingly risky business with fentanyl because fentanyl can um, just can kill like no other opioid, and uh, it's the main driver of the uh, continuing increase in overdoses in the United States, which you know reached a all-time high of 93,000 just last year. Uh, we're at the very height of the overdose epidemic, um, and and uh, you know this warning is 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 going to be helpful. I hope. Well, we'll certainly spread the word out there to our listeners. Jeremiah, I really appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Anything else, uh, significant information that you care to share? Well, one important message, I think, is that we do have an overdose reversal medication called naloxone. It's a critical tool. People using drugs and their families and friends should really make sure to have it on hand just in case. Um, Administer it right away and multiple times if needed, and then call for help immediately. Uh, even if you're using illegal drugs yourself. Uh, And remember, in Minnesota, there's a Good Samaritan law that shields you from arrest when you make such a call. And, um, you know, finally, please get professional help if you or a family member is struggling. Uh, Addiction is a treatable disease, and people throughout Minnesota and beyond are getting help in initiating recovery every single day. Uh, millions are living in sustained recovery now, and, and it's actually National Recovery Month, and I think it's a good reminder for folks who are out there struggling. You don't need to be taking chances by buying pills. If you're struggling with substance use, reach out for help. Um, at, at times like this, we need to keep sending that message to folks uh, everywhere that hope, help, healing, and community uh, are indeed available. Thank you to my guest, the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation's Jeremiah Gardner. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. 
Throughout the state, Minnesota Electric Co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person, and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A recent Blue Cross Blue Shield statewide survey found that while 90% of Minnesota seniors have been vaccinated against COVID-19, not all are returning to their pre-pandemic activities at the same rate. Tasha Radel has more. Joining me today is Dr. Mark Steffen with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. Dr. Steffen, let's start out with some background on what led to the study. Yeah, we, we uh, have been working really hard to uh, support uh, the seniors uh, that we serve and uh, really enjoy reaching out and hearing from them. Uh, as you stated, you know, a lot uh, of these seniors uh, are getting vaccinated. Uh, but I think what we're finding is that although they have seen the vaccine as um, a liberator of sorts um, and allowing them to start participating uh, in uh, um, more daily activities, uh, there's still a fair amount of concern uh, among the seniors. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're really returning to their normal at a slower pace. Um, and, and this isn't surprising given uh, what's going on with the COVID uh, pandemic uh, at this time. One of the things that really got my attention in the report is that the number of seniors across the state still don't feel comfortable with unvaccinated family and friends. Yeah, so, um, you know, a, a, a couple things. Uh, There's certainly concern with um, uh, uh, interacting with uh, individuals that's unvaccinated, right? That's, that's a, a concern uh, that they should have. We, we certainly know uh, that right now uh, we're seeing many, many more COVID cases in those uh, that are unvaccinated compared to those that are vaccinated. And we're even, you know, seeing some uh, concern still about socializing with uh, family uh, and friends. Uh, and certainly, you know, uh, for our seniors, uh, being able to interact with their grandchildren, which is extremely important for uh, those who are uh, fortunate enough to have grandchildren. I know you don't hold a magic eight ball, Dr. Stefan, but where do we go from here? Or is this kind of the new norm, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think, so here's what I would say. Yeah, I, I think encouraging everyone who can get a COVID vaccine to go out and get the COVID vaccine is the most important thing that we can do right now, not only to protect ourselves, but to protect those that are around us and really get us towards ending this pandemic. Um, and, you know, I, the seniors have led the way. Uh, when when we have a group uh, of seniors who you know well over ninety percent uh, have had at least one dose uh, of the vaccine, that's a fantastic number, uh, and we'd like to see more of that and like to see that continue. 
Um, so I, I, I think that there's hope uh, on the horizon. Um, we still need to be, you know, extremely careful uh, given how much uh, COVID uh, infection is out uh, in the communities uh, right now. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to continuing to see those vaccination rates rise, and I think we'll continue to see decreases in case numbers associated with that. Working in the medical field, I am sure it was welcome news when Pfizer announced approval of their COVID booster shot being available. And of course, hopefully soon Johnson & Johnson and Moderna will follow suit. Are you encouraging those eligible to get that booster shot? Yeah, I think, you know, as we've looked at the recommendations, uh, those that are over age 65 are recommended to uh, get that booster shot if they had the Pfizer uh, vaccine. So that's the first one that's uh, been approved for those uh, boosters. Uh, And then in those other uh, categories uh, of uh, individuals who might be at higher risk, certainly talking with their doctor as uh, to their um, uh, need for the booster uh, vaccine. But absolutely, I think it's a, a great idea. My uh, father uh, was out getting his uh, booster last week and also got his flu uh, vaccine. And I think it's important to remember that you know flu season is coming up again, and, and we need to start um, uh, thinking through how we're going to get Uh, that flu vaccine, because I think it's going to be more important than ever uh, that people get their annual flu vaccine. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Mark Steffen with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. There's a shuttle bus that's been circling the perimeter of the central blocks around Mayo Clinic in downtown Rochester, and it's turning heads because there's no driver. Or more accurately, the driver is a computer with a full complement of sensors. Top officials were in Rochester this week for the official kickoff of the Med City Mover, and MN's Bill Werner talked with Tara Olds, MnDOT's deputy director for the Connected and Automated Vehicle Office. It's the first time that we have an autonomous shuttle project that is on a, a live road in Minnesota with multimodal traffic. Um, we've actually done some testing previously here in Minnesota back in 2017. We worked with Easy Mile and did some testing at our Min Road facility uh, just northwest of the Twin Cities. And then in 2018, we did a pilot project on Nicollet Avenue during the Super Bowl when it was closed to traffic. And so this is the first time, though, we've been able to uh, get the shuttles on the road and introduce them to people uh, in, in a different part of the state and see how they're functioning in this environment. It's a nice day there in Rochester today, which is good for an event like this. But how? what is the mood of people? I mean, you have you have officials there, obviously, who say, yeah, we're, we need to do this next step. And we've we've vetted it and we've tested it. And it's it's safe, you know, to the best of our ability. And, and, and that's that's those are certainly important things. Uh, but but what about what kind of reaction are you getting from folks who are happen to be uh, walking by and uh, noticing what's going on today? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of interest and people um, are intrigued to get their opportunity to write it themselves. Um, I think for there's some people that definitely have some concerns and reservations. Um, I'll say once folks hop on, they tend to feel a lot more comfortable, understand how the technology functions, um, understand also the limitations of the technology and the, the role of the onboard operator. Uh, that has the ability to take over operations should it be needed. And so I think just the opportunity for folks to get exposed to it allows them to have a uh, a new perspective. And so with that being the number one goal that we're trying to do is just expose people to the technology, let them understand 
how it works today so that we can create that better future. Um, it's really allow, allowing people to tell us what they think. I mean, we have heard from folks that they think it goes slow. I will note it is designed to go at a top speed of 15 miles per hour. Um, and that's the way the technology is, is, is designed to function. Similar conversations that we have and, and comments we hear from folks when we talk about some of the challenges of multimodal integration of traffic. Computers have become very sophisticated. They're probably not as sophisticated as the human mind. I think that would be fair to say. However, there are certain things that they are not subject to, such as distraction, right, or impairment of various sorts. So you're balancing all these kind of things out. Uh, and I would assume that MnDOT would have never put a vehicle out here, even in a pilot uh, mode, that's around the public without having absolute confidence in its safety uh, and its ability to react to even unpredictable stuff that could happen in, on any street, but in particular in a downtown area that's as busy as Rochester. Talk about that, about about how you feel about that at this juncture. Oh, safety is of our highest priority, as always, and we've worked extensively with the federal government, including the National Transportation Safety Administration, as well as... Uh, state agencies, including state patrol and local emergency personnel here in Rochester, as well as the city of Rochester Public Works, to understand everyone's concerns, make sure we're, we're answering those questions on the forefront of the project. Additionally, um, out of all of the pilots that have been done uh, around the country, as well as around the world, um, there has been no instances where these vehicles have crashed into anything because of all of the redundancy that's built into all of the sensors and all of the different types of technology and the way that this can see the surrounding areas around it. So we're very confident and we're excited to be able to test it here. Um, but we do know that there'll be challenges and a lot of lessons learned. Um, that's part of advancing that technology as well. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see how some of that goes. I thought about all the things that that little onboard computer with electronic eyes and a silicone brain would have to watch if it were negotiating the streets of, say, downtown Minneapolis. <laughs> pull out of the parking ramp, you stop so I don't run over the pedestrians hugging walls so they don't get splashed by rain. Okay, I see the bus coming from the left before I make my turn. There's a woman crossing in the middle of the block with her nose in her smartphone. I have no idea what I am supposed to do at this intersection. There is a do not enter sign, there's a no right turn sign, a no left turn sign, and a light rail train is coming right at me. Guess I'll stay where I am. Okay, that has gone by. Make the next turn. I saw that bicycle come up on my left, narrowly miss the skateboarder, then make a right turn in front of me. That I did not like. Here comes the police car. He is not chasing the bicyclist, however, but rather another driver who's texting while applying makeup. The ambulance and the fire truck following close behind, but they are going around the block to where a motorcycle hit a pedal pub. Among the casualties, 50 gallons of microbrew right into the gutter. Also, there are calling cards from the police mounted patrols, stallions, which proceed to get splashed all over the side of my car. But at least the windows are not open. I think the real problem here is that we, as heirs of a great continent and a privileged position in the world, have somehow come to expect that our birthright, the true and rightful state of things in America, is for us to be able to go wherever we want to go, at the exact moment we wish to go, without anyone getting in our way. And perhaps we hope that someday soon, these computers 
will be able to restore that state of youth for us so that we no longer are distracted by driving and can focus on making all the money necessary to finance the vast infrastructure and clever devices so we can again have the freedom of the open road in the United States of America. Bill Werner on the Minnesota News Network. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's now time for part two of MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm's conversation with former Vikings linebacker Scott Studwell, who's written a new book called Viking for Life. As you look back, what um, and I suppose as you reflected in, in preparing the book, um, what, what, what do you think is the highlight moment of your career in purple? What, what, what would you put that at? There are so many, you know, that are really more, maybe more small moments than big moments uh you know i think back to 77 just you know probably you know making the team uh to start with being able to play and start two games uh unfortunately at the expense of jeff seaman because he was hurt uh you know i got to uh, i was fortunate enough to kind of establish myself as a young player um you know as a ninth round draft pick i there probably wasn't uh, a lot of expectation from a production standpoint and from a, you know, a, from a, maybe even from a worth standpoint. Um, but, you know, it just, it, it, everything kind of seemed to fall in place. And, and um, you know, it was uh, going to two NFC championship games. I mean, we went my, my rookie season and I thought that, you know, that was easy. That was something that we were going to do every year. And, and didn't go back until my 10th year in the league. So the overall picture and the overall experience is probably more special to me than than any one particular time. And it's just, you know, the, the people that I met, the people that I played with, the friendships that I made, the uh, contributions uh, that were available to me. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we said the 40-year 40, 40 love affair is, is very appropriate, hmm. and I still feel it. I cringe for these guys when they, when they have fail, and, and I'm ecstatic when they, when they succeed. So 
Uh, it's still there. It's just not as strong as it used to be. Yeah, I hear you. Um, what was it like playing for Bud Grant and then, I guess, later working uh, with Bud Grant in the same building for all those years? Well, you know, playing for Bud was, was um, an experience, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, very stoic, almost a, a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he had the persona... Uh, I think with his football teams was completely different probably than his private life uh, with his family and his friends, Um, you know, and you never really got to see that or experience that when you were as a player, Uh, you know, you got to see it once you got done um, playing for him and you got to know him better as, as just a, a human being and a and a passionate person about a lot of things, a very intelligent guy and just a you know very well rounded and had a ton of interests and and a fascinating guy to talk to, um, you know and and uh, become a lot closer to Bud and and he's just he's one of those guys that when he speaks it, it you listen everything he says makes sense. He's opinionated and and rightfully so. And he was. You never questioned who was in charge uh, when Bud was the head coach, and you know, and it was he was a man of few words. But when he spoke, you certainly listened. The book is titled "Viking for Life: A Four Decade Football Love Affair." Scott Studwell is with us, former Vikings linebacker and longtime front office personnel. Um, you played with so many good players, uh, some that are in the Hall of Fame, some that have their name up on the stadium, on the uh, Ring of Honor. A lot of legendary players, and a lot of, I suppose, for lack of a better term, ordinary players. Um, how much do you stay in touch with your former teammates? Uh, and, um, and and is it kind of fun to to uh, share old memories? Well, you know, I mean, it's unfortunately um, with the with the pandemic, it was certainly very hard to stay in touch with anybody. But there's a lot of them that still live around the area here. Um, you don't see them a lot, but you when you do see them, it's you know everything just kind of comes flooding back. I mean the the emotions and the, and the fun and the and the, the uh, turmoil, so to speak, that you that you experienced with these guys and and um, you know there's still a lot of great friends living around this community and. And when when you do see them, it for me anyway, it, it brings a big smile to my face, and it kind of warms my heart. And it, it's fun to see them and talk about the old times, and you know. But there's also the present time that that we're all experiencing and living and 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 working through. And um, but it's you know the the one of the problems that that unfortunately I've I've experienced. Recently, is a lot of them are um, have passed away mm, in the right. last year or so, and and you know with with Bernsey and Floyd Reese and Nick Tinglehoff and now Steve Riley just passed away. Uh, you know, it it, it kind of shocks you into reality and the fact that they're they're getting older and and you know we're going to start losing, hopefully not lose them uh, lose a lot of them you know, in the next few years, but it's, uh, you, you know, we are human and, and unfortunately the invincibility that you felt as a player, 
uh, wears off pretty quick. That's former Viking linebacker Scott Studwell with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.